Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Joey Texera is the Director of Philanthropy at the ASPCA, which for those of you who don't know, is the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. He has worked with a variety of dog and animal companies over the years, gaining professional experience that has expanded his outlook on the dog-human relationship, and also how there's not just one right way for everything. He also has his own pack of dogs and cats with his partner here in New York City, including a wonderful chihuahua named Mervin, who joined us here in the studio, a dog who people may recognize from his popularity on Instagram. I'm sitting here today with Joey and with Mervin. Hello. <laughs> and I couldn't be happier. I'm so glad when guests come with their dogs. So when you walked in with Mervin, my, my heart exploded. Uh, one, because I used to have a chihuahua who was also a senior. And two, just because he is just the most beautiful chihuahua I've ever seen. Can you tell me a little bit about him? Sure. Mervin's a special little guy. We adopted him from the ASPCA almost six years ago. Yeah. And he's very tiny. He's only four pounds, but he's probably the most resilient dog I've ever met. Well, welcome to you both. I'm so happy to have you guys here. Thank you so much for joining us today. So, Joey, let's let's uh, begin with your childhood. It seems as though you always have loved animals and grew up very interested in animals. Can you tell me a little about a little bit about your upbringing? Yes, I grew up loving animals. When I was really little, we grew up with dogs, and anytime there was ever like an animal in distress that I saw, I made my parents rescue it. I remember distinctly one time I made my mom chase a wounded crow down the street. She had on like rubber dish gloves and the big cardboard box. Oh my God. And I made her catch it and bring it to the vet. How old were you? 10 maybe. Uh Uh-huh, love it. (laughs) So I couldn't do it myself. Right. Then in high school, when I started driving, I actually used to keep like a spare crate in my cart for when I would find animals. And I would, but yeah, I've always been (laughs) rescuing animals, bringing them home. I had a pet mouse that I found on the street had it for about three years. Was that when you were still living at home? Yeah, this is all when I was still living with my parents. So you moved to New York to go to college? Yes, in the city I went to Hunter College Uh and I studied psychology. Yeah. Nothing really to do with animals. And when I was 20, I adopted my first dog. Oh yeah. And his name was Moose and he he was my sole dog. Mm -hmm. Like he was just my absolute best friend and he was a really bad dog. (laughs) He was good for the first month, and then once he got comfortable, he kind of showed his true colors. Yeah. What kind of dog was he? A Pomeranian. Oh, I love Pomeranians. Yeah. He was adorable. He looked like a teddy bear, but he was pretty aggressive. (laughs) But I didn't With you as well, or with other people, other dogs? With strangers and some handling. If you picked him up too fast, if you dropped something or stepped near him too quickly, he would kind of snap. Yeah. So I don't know if something happened in previously or under socialized or whatever, but he definitely wasn't the friendliest dog, Yeah. but he was my sole dog and he welcomed in pretty much every single animal that I had. He was the boss. He was the old man. I've adopted in total six dogs over the past 11 years. Wow. 
Um, That's impressive. So he welcomed everyone into the home without any jealousy or worry that there wouldn't be enough love mm, to go around. That's great. You're lucky. Yeah, he was he was my my sole dog, right, Murmur? You loved Moose. He passed away a few years ago. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, I adopted him when he was probably like seven-ish. Uh-huh. Good for you. So he got a good like eight years with us. Yeah, wonderful. And so how have you found your way into the world of animals as a career? So I started actually in college working at a doggy daycare. I needed just like a part-time easy thing. Right. So I was living near a daycare and I just walked in one day and got a job and I really enjoyed it. And then I actually left that one to go help open another one in Jersey City. Right. And that one was much bigger and more involved and I had a bigger role there. And I really liked that as well. And then there was an opportunity that came across my desk that was for a job at the ASPCA. And I was like, can't pass that up. No. So I started with the ASPCA almost six years ago as the manager of customer relations for the adoption center. Oh, great. What a cool job. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And so you would work with people coming in to adopt. Yep. Anybody who wanted to adopt in New York City, my team would facilitate that. Okay. And or if, you know, for whatever reason they couldn't keep their pet or needed to return their pet, it would also come to us. I have a quote from you that said, while working at the ASPCA, my eyes have been open to a lot of different philosophies and it has changed me for the better in so many ways. And this is what I thought was interesting. It's helped me to become less judgmental and taught me to meet people where they are. You go on to say there are a lot of different approaches to pet ownership, and I love being able to help people and animals every day. So before I worked at the ASPCA, I kind of had a very egocentric view on pet ownership. Mm -hmm. And I fully admit that I'm kind of a crazy pet parent, like, you know, my dogs have full wardrobes. Each of the chihuahuas have their own little room with like a heating pad in it. Uh Like I get that that's not the normal thing to do. (laughs) So before I worked there, that's kind of how I felt everybody should treat their animals or that everybody did. And then once I started working with the public, especially in New York City where it's so diverse, you learn that the way you do things is not the way that everybody does them or necessarily should do them. And so working with the public, I got to meet a lot of different people and a lot of different views on animals and what they are as companions and what they need. And it really, I like to think it made me a bit of a better person because I I judged a lot in the beginning. And then when I left the adoption center, I had, my views had changed a lot and I was a lot more open-minded about what it meant to be a pet owner. Probably from the work that you did when people would come in and wanting to surrender a dog or a cat. And a lot of times you see like, yeah, they, they love their, they love their animals. They just can't, for whatever reason, take care of them or take care of them in the way that they would like to. And it's true. Like, I, I would find myself as well getting judgmental about how people took care of their, their animals. And I realized, like, you know, everybody does the best that they can. I like the idea of you saying that you're meeting them where they are because that's all we can do yeah. in, our, in our life. I mean, who are we to say, you know, you should be doing this or that? But to help facilitate that and also to make the life better for the animal is, is a great place to start. Yeah, the ASPCA, their philosophy is to meet people where they are. And speaking of, you know, people surrendering and returning animals, in New York City, it's it's not easy to have pets. Yeah. First, you have to deal with landlords and yes. finding an apartment that allows animals. I mean, just life in New York City is not necessarily easy. Between, right. Like, walk, walking everywhere and a lot of people. Um, but a lot of people would surrender for 
really preventable things. So things like they couldn't afford vet care. Yes. Something that a lot of people take for granted. And so the ASPCA actually is working to help fix that in New York City, building some community vet centers to help people in poverty so that we can help keep those people and their pets together. That's amazing. Yeah, because I know that um, that's one of the big reasons why people will come and surrender their dog or their cat. And uh, the more money that can help them kind of subsidize that or provide free vet care can help them keep their animals at home, which is a win-win for everybody. So now you're working as director of philanthropy? Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so I um, I started off on the program side of things in the adoption center. Yeah. And my role there grew. And then there was an opportunity to transition to the philanthropy team. So now I'm overseeing our major donors east of the Mississippi. That's a great job. And to get to work with people who have their heart and their money in the right place, that's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love it. I get to meet a lot of interesting people and get to really know them. So it's yeah. really, it's fun. That's good. Congratulations. Thank you. So here's a question. Through all your work in different places and with so many different people, what lessons do you think you've taken away from how dogs impact people and the relationships that we share with them? I think I've developed a greater understanding for just how much dogs mean to people, especially working at the shelter with all different types of people and the work that the ASPCA is doing now and keeping pets and people together, you know, that's just a powerful thing Mm -hmm. that I've learned at the ASPCA specifically is just that whether you have $15 million or $15,000 for people who have animals, it's their life. You know, like my dogs and my cats are my life. So tell me a little bit about this great guy sitting sitting on your lap, Mervin. So Mervin is like my second soul dog. Uh-huh. Like Moose obviously will always hold a place, but Mervin is really, he's just the biggest little love bug. And he's also super sassy. Uh-huh. As chihuahuas are. He loves people and he's just, he's looking at me right now with uh-huh. like these big, like cute oh, eyes. I know. They're like Bambi eyes. He's just amazing and people really uh love him Mm -hmm. and can see how amazing he is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how old do you think he is i know we were talking about that before we think he's probably around 13 or 14 okay yeah we're not sure because we've only had him about six years and he's gotten his old age has caught up to him this past Uh year yeah he's got a little cataract in his eye Mm -hmm. and he's a little more wobbly than he used to be Mm -hmm. but we go to the vet a couple times a year we keep a really good eye on him. Good for you. Oh, my God. That frosted face. And I love with chihuahuas, especially with the tongue, the tongue sticking out. And I guess, does he have teeth? He doesn't have any teeth. Okay. Yeah, because chihuahuas and teeth are like a, not a marriage made in heaven. Yeah. Most chihuahuas, their teeth get rotten and end up having to come out in their old age. Yeah. So his came out probably earlier uh-huh. than most. But, yeah, he's got no teeth. So he just gums everything. So tell me about Mervin's rise to social media stardom. So I started Mervin's Instagram because I didn't want to be annoying on my Instagram. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> and just flood my Instagram with just photos of him. Yeah. So I started his as kind of like a fluke. Yeah. And he gained momentum pretty quickly. And we started it really at a good time because the animal influencer world is relatively new. 
So we kind of started it at the beginning. Initially, it was just like a really fun hobby and we would get invited to different like events and things. So we got to meet other influencers, which is fun. And then for a short period of time, it became a little bit overwhelming because I kind of got caught up in the, oh my God, it's like National Donut Day. I have to take a photo of him with a donut or yes, something like yes. that. I have left that phase. I'm not <laughs> not that, that um, involved with, with like things like that anymore. Yes. But it was really surprising. I didn't expect him to kind of blow up the way he did. And it definitely ebbs and flows. Like, I remember the first time the Dodo made a video of him. He got a ton of followers, and it was a really great video. And they've made another one since then. But it's always fun and exciting. And some of the things that we've done have been really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, so he has how many followers now? Like, He's more popular on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is not always the case. Usually yeah. animal influencers are more popular on Instagram. Yeah. He's got 126,000 on Instagram and I think like 212,000 on Facebook. That's amazing. What's really cool is that he's kind of an international superstar because uh -huh. it's people from all over the world, not just the U.S. Oh, I love it. Well, I was looking at the Instagram, and he does have an amazing wardrobe. His signature look is kind of a hoodie. He really likes to wear hoodies, but yeah. he's got... In our closet, we have a huge dresser thing with, like, eight drawers, and every dog has a drawer <laughs> with, like, jackets and things like yeah. that. And Mervyn and Jack, because they're similar sizes, share three drawers. Oh, my God. Love it. I love that they can wear each other's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I have another quote from you. So with, uh, with Mervyn's Instagram and Facebook, it's really a wonderful platform. And you're quoted as saying, we really want to use his fame to push adoption and shutting down puppy mills, dog fighting rings, and to push animal rights in general. Yeah, we, we participate in some campaigns that the ASPCA does, like the Get Tough on dog fighting. We promote adoption all the time. And then because of his various illnesses, we also promote just like general like checkups and just promote just general, just general goodness too. Good for you. What people see on the outside of this is this adorable photograph of a, of a senior chihuahua with his tongue hanging out and in a great outfit, but there's a whole opportunity there yeah. to spread the message. So Mervyn is part of a larger family at your home. Yes. My partner and I have a pretty big pack, uh, especially for New York City. Yes. So Mervyn is one of six. So his closest brother is Jack, who yeah. is another chihuahua, who's about 13 and three pounds and jack is the cranky one in the house uh -huh. he just wants to sleep all day he wants to sleep on my lap he doesn't really like people mm -hmm. so he just kind of barks at everybody right that's mervyn's little buddy yeah and then mervyn has two sisters abigail who is a boston terrier and she is deaf and has a lot of health problems as well and mervyn and abigail see the same oncologist so they're always at the vet together they don't always get along yeah. because Abigail kind of lives in her own world and she's kind of like a bull in a china shop. Right. So Mervyn doesn't always appreciate that. So she'll like walk over him or knock yeah. him over. Yeah, and... she'll like accidentally body slam him right. or just like not even pay attention. And yes. He doesn't always appreciate yes. that. But Mervyn really loves his big sister who's about 50 pounds. Mini. Yeah. She is the sweetest, smartest, best dog that's like ever ever lived. Yeah. All of the animals in the house love her the best. She's everybody's favorite. And then we adopted two new kittens last year. Okay. So we're at six. How does it feel to have all these different personalities and beings? It is both exhilarating and exhausting. Uh -huh. They do all have very different personalities. Yeah. So 
Abigail is just the happiest. Yeah. Like, she's just always playing with toys by herself. Oh, I love it. Or just, like, licking Minnie's face. And she had a really bad beginning, so it's really wonderful that she's so happy because she was used as a breed dog in a puppy mill. Mm. But she is the happiest dog. She's making up for yeah. it. Minnie is kind of the the gentle energy yeah. that everybody gravitates around. Jack is the cranky one. He's always like sleeping under a blanket, barking at whoever comes near him. Right. <laughs> and Mervyn is just all over the place. And the I cat, love it. The cats are just getting into trouble. They are the biggest troublemakers in the house. I hope somebody's been able to capture you guys in a, in a photograph of everybody sitting together. No, we don't have all eight of us yeah. in that photograph. We, we should work on that. Yes, you should. <laughs> What's next for Mervyn and your family? So, we don't have any major big plans on the horizon. I have toned back his social media a little bit because, like I mentioned, he is getting older. And I, yeah. s- I see it, so I don't want to stress him out. I want him to be able to live out his golden years peacefully. Right. Yeah. So, now most of our posts are just daily life yeah and there's a couple of things that are in the works that will be coming out that we can't really talk about right now okay but yeah really just enjoying life good good that's the best so where can we find mervin and you on instagram and facebook so you can find mervin at mervin the chihuahua on instagram and facebook okay he also has a twitter it's just Mervin Chihuahua. Okay. But people don't seem to be as interested in what he has to say as just how cute he is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't have a ton of followers on Twitter. Um, but all of Mervin's siblings also have social media. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a decision I made early on that I don't know I would make again because it's a lot of work to run like <laughs> five accounts. Yes. Um, so I actually don't really use my own anymore. Right. Because the Instagram app, you can only have five accounts. So I just have all theirs on it. Right. Mervin's brother Jack is Littlest Jack. Yeah. Abigail is Abigail the Boston Pig because she's deaf and all she does is snort. Yeah. Minnie is Minnie the Mage. And Quincy and Magoo share an account. They're just Quincy and Magoo. Okay. So, Joey, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to add that you feel is important to share with the listeners? What do you think, Merv? Anything, anything to add? No, Mervin says that's all. Okay. All right. Yeah, I could see he thought about it for a second. <laughs> Joey, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciated Joey's honesty in sharing how his perspective has grown over time with the more he saw through his different jobs, interacting with dogs and their owners. So often with dogs, we can personalize and feel so connected to how we think they should exactly be treated. But really, as long as it's humane and the dog is being loved, that's all we should care about. And Joey clearly seems to be doing a great job with his partner in taking care of their beautiful family of pets. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It's made with the support of our producer and editor, Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor, Daniel Lampert, for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media. You can also check out the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, at johnbartlettny.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog and make it a great day for both of you.